Welcome to Hope Church Winter Garden. This week's podcast is part of our Filters series. Well, good morning. You guys look good today. Tell your neighbor you look good. Tell your other neighbor, even you, even you, your second choice. Hey, man, go Gators. Are you, are you Gator fans in here today? Thank you. Come on. I think I preach better when the Gators win. A lot of you guys are just mad. I don't even care if you're a Florida State fan. You don't have the microphone, you know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You'll get the microphone one day. You can talk about your team. Hey, um, I'm glad you're here today. You look good, and that's half the battle. Uh, we're in a series called Filters, and I'll explain to you what that means in just a moment. But uh, Dinah said you guys, our football team won a big game this week and won big, and they play again this Friday. And um, as a church, man, we want to be a part of everything the school is ha- has going on. So this Friday, we'll, um, we will cater a meal for them on Friday here on, on campus. If you're, like, out here and you want to stop in and just give these guys a high five and say, man, thanks for all that you're doing. You guys are doing great. If you want to do that, you totally can. And we've been able to buy meals for them a couple times um, throughout the year. And they're just, they're just good kids. And we like being around them. And um, we also take care of all the home meals for the girls' basketball team, JV and Varsity. And so if you ever want to be a part of that, you would be around some polite and some sweet girls, you can just see me and say, man, I want to be a part of that. I go to those because I like being around them. And this past week, Michelle helped me in Kenya. She's not here today, but uh, we were able to feed them um, pasta from uh, Winter Garden Pizza Company. And we just like hanging out with them. They're really, really good kids. They're really, really good kids. It's not every day we hear kids say, thank you. I appreciate that. A lot of kids don't even know how to say those words. Um, most don't know how to spell them, but most, much less say, I appreciate that. Thanks a bunch. And so it's nice to be around them. And uh, we, we love this school. And we love being around uh, these students. Um, we, so we're starting the series called Filters. And uh, we're on week three. The first week we looked at a world filter versus a word filter. A world filter versus a word filter. And we believe this as a church. We're a Jesus church. I've said this every week since we started. Everyone asks, what kind of church are you guys? Are you guys denominational? Are you non-denominational? And I like, I don't even like those words. We're just a Jesus church and a Bible church. That's pretty much all we are. It's all we ever will be. But we stand on God's word. And so every week when you come into this building, we'll open up God's word. And here's the good thing about God's word. God's word, it never gets emotional. All the guys should say amen. You know what I'm saying? Like, isn't it like we get emotional sometimes as people? I'm, I, I get emotional. We get excited. Our emotions go like this. And that's why we need God's word because we make decisions sometimes in the worst timing ever. So it's good to have God's word as, our, as a filter for us on how, when and how we make decisions as people. And even if you're not a Christian today, I say this every week, you don't have to believe what we believe to belong here. Like even if you're not a Christian, the Bible is just a good book to follow your life by. You're like, what kind of pastor gets up there and says, it's just a good book? It is just a good book. We believe it's God's holy word. But even if you weren't a Christian today, even if you didn't believe there was a Jesus, you can look at this book and say, these are good practical things I could follow in here. And so we stand strong on God's word. That was week one. And last week we talked about a filter called faith or a filter of faith. Derek led us in that song. And I love Derek. And uh, that's Diane's little brother. And um, he's been leading worship. We've been at churches together and We've been around the country together leading worship. And um, Jeremiah here, I've known Jeremiah for a long, 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 long time. Actually, I don't know how old he is now, but he was in sixth grade when I first met him. And now he's a mature man. And so we've just been, we've, we've done a worship really different continents together. And we've done it in different churches in the state of Florida. And we're just, um, I'm just glad they got to be a part of us today. But we love that. I love that song, Give Me Faith. Because that's what we all should want to live our life by. Live our life by 
faith. We looked at a man last week by the name of Job. And I left a lot of you guys hanging last week. I feel bad. And so we read this book of Job last week. And uh, if you want part two of Job, you got to come back next week. But last week I was like, hey, Job lost everything. Literally, he lost everything. He had horses and he lost those. He had oxes and he lost those. He had cows. He lost those. He had 10 kids. He lost every single one of his kids. Every piece of asset he had, he lost it all in a conversation. One guy walked up to him and said, hey, everything's gone. Second guy walked him, everything's gone. Third guy, everything's gone. And the fourth guy said, hey, man, all your kids are dead. The four walls of the house came tumbling down. He lost everything in in one stinking conversation. And uh, I love this church. And we're a transparent church. We talk about the sermons. And I got out, when I walked out of here, a lady said to me, man, that's a, that was pretty tough. That guy, Job, he's a pretty good guy. I said, I know. And uh, he's, he's just, he's strong. I mean, he's like, he went through all that. And, and we looked at a verse in the Bible and it said that he never, ever cursed God. Could you imagine losing everything and still being like, I'm good. I'm cool. And so here's the weird thing. I looked through Job last week and I'm going to finish I'm going to talk about Job again next week. Um, But man, Job, for like several chapters, he just had this heated conversation with God. And by the way, if last week I didn't want to paint that like it was an easy picture. Hey, if God takes everything, it's going to be okay. I would be foolish to think that. It's still hard, isn't it? Like tragedy still hurts. Bad things, they still hurt. The pain from the past, it still hurts. The the flesh that you had that was torn from you in in a situation, that still hurts. Job has a heated conversation with God, and it's awesome. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it next week, but, um, but man, Job's like, God, what the heck's your problem? And like, and here, here's the deal. Like, if you're having a moment where you're like, man, I just don't understand. Having a heated conversation with God is a good place to have a heated conversation. That's okay to do that. Be like, what if I'm really mad? Like, yeah, tell him you're mad. Like, just make sure you don't do it in your car if your windows aren't tinted, because you'll look like a fool. But like, tell him, go to your house and show your door and say, God, what the heck happened? I've sat with countless of you guys already in the, in the short eight weeks we've had church, and people have said to me, Wes, I just did not plan my life to go that way. Well, Job, there's good news to that story. Job loses everything, and God brings everything back to him two, twofold. I don't know what it's like to have 10 kids, but I, I can't imagine having 20 kids. <laughs> but everything came back, double fold, it says now. We're, we're going to talk about that next week. Remember last week, I said. I would love to think that if something happened to my wife, I could be up here the very next week preaching. Something happened to one of my kids, I could be up here the next week preaching and, and just going on as life exists. Do you guys remember me saying that to you guys last week? Well, this past week, we're a part of an organization called ARC, Association of Related Churches. And it's not a denomination. It's just the organization that helped us with the, with the, with the plan to start this church. And um, one of the guys, just like us, church like ours, and a high school just like ours, Guy went home, um, guy went to go work out early Tuesday or Wednesday morning, and this was on the news, if, if you heard about it, you, you've already heard about it, but he went to go work out, when he came back, he saw his wife bleeding on the floor, and it was a home, and what, from what the best thing you know, it was a home invasion, this guy walks into, this guy breaks into this lady's house, shoots her one time, they take her to the hospital, she never makes it. It was a 28-year-old pastor's wife, who was 12 weeks pregnant, isn't that something? And so, as me, for me, I'm like, man, I don't even know what that would be like. The guy releases a statement to the, to the, to the, to the newspaper, and it's on the, it's, it's Resonate Church in Indiana. You can look up and see his testament. But he said this, I've lost not only my ministry partner, but I've also lost my best friend. That wasn't the profound part. That was tough. But you know what he said this? He said the same thing Job said. 
I hold firm to the belief that God is still good. Can you imagine having your whole world? We, we, kind of, we tiled that mess last week when everything goes to hell. Could you imagine everything going to hell and the next week you're going to say, oh, man, everything's going to be okay. It's going to be good. This guy said, I believe this. I hold firm to the belief that God is still good. He takes our tragedy and turns it into triumph. And he, says, he said this, and this is what we see a lot at our church, and I truly believe the best is yet to come. What a powerful testimony. I read through the blog a little bit, and it said, this Sunday, and this is on Wednesday, he says, be at church this Sunday. We're going to celebrate my wife's life. What a powerful testimony, right? That's a guy there who lived by faith. It isn't, it's, it's so crazy to me that I got up here last week and said, I can't imagine losing everything. I hope and say I could be up here next week and I could still say, I'm still loving God. I'm still pursuing God. I'm still doing things of God. I wish I could say that. But here's a guy who went through what I just talked about last week and he's up there this week today in a service just like this. The church is three years old, just trying to get things going. And he's saying this, I believe that truly the best is yet to come. That's a guy who lives his life with a filter of faith. And I believe for anyone in this room here today, and we say this every single week, I'm not even tired of it yet. We truly believe that your best is yet to come. I don't care how bad it was yesterday or a year ago, or I don't care how bad the season of life that you're in right now currently. Because truly the best is yet to come. We believe that for your life. I don't care how deep your pain or your church. A lot of you guys are trying church out for the first time. We have a friend that came. She hadn't been to church in 16 years, and she tried our church. I don't know what your pain is like. I was talking to friends of mine in here today, and I don't want to embarrass them. We have people that go to our church. They're, they're brand new to our church. They're living here three weeks. They've been to Disney. This lady, she's been to Disney 365 days this past year. She's a gladiator. She should get a ribbon. Now, don't, like, give her too much credit. She didn't go with, like, little kids. You know, that's good. Like, you can't go. No one's going to take a three- and a five-year-old there. As a matter of fact, I like going to Disney and look for that parent who spent about $10,000 to bring their kids to Disney. I look forward to that kid melting down. I know that's sick. I, that's sick of me. I love that. I'm like, let's go. I like, and I watch them walk into the park. And I'm a jerk, right? Like, I, walk, I watch them walk into the park. I'm a, I'm a seasoned pass holder. I drive 20 minutes to Disney. I get there at 4 p.m., I do three fast passes that I've scheduled on my app, and I maybe hit a ride in between there waiting for the time. I get dinner. I watch the parade. I get back in my happy little red minivan, and I drive back. No big deal. My kids are fresh. I have a nap. Now, typical Susie and Joe that go to Disney, they've been at Disney for five days now. And they, were, they planned this awesome vacation for their three-year-old kid who's never going to remember it. <laughs> Parents, are we so stupid? <clears throat> we're going to love it. All right, and, and by the time Timmy, Timmy's on his second park now, and he's day five and, ten, and mom and dad think we're going to let him sleep in today, and they slept until 10, but dude, he's going to go ballistic in about an hour. I want to follow those people around. I can make a lot of money doing that. Um, it should be a reality TV show. I don't even know what that had to do with anything. I don't know. Last week when I went to preach that text to you, the guys in the back were like, I, I read the whole chapter of the Bible last week, which is like a miracle, and they were like, you got to hurry up. We promise an hour and 10 minute service. Keep on going. Um, today, I want to look at how God sees you. Have you ever wondered that before? And I'm going to set you free today because a lot of you guys, you never, you probably never even thought about the fact of how God sees you. And maybe you've been in a, and, and, and I don't know where you, the church I grew up in, I kind of, I kind of always viewed God as this guy with this big stick ready to knock me upside the head if I sinned. 
Anybody like that? Just nod your head. You, you've been in that church before? You're like, if you do anything wrong, I, it's like almost like, if you do anything wrong, I swear I'll kill you. Like, that's kind of how we see God. I walked out in the foyer today, and two guys are talking, that are on our team, are talking about guns and what kind of guns they're buying. And I'm like, just buy two. You know what I'm saying? Give me one. But uh, we, we look at, we, we've never even thought about how God looks at us. We just don't think about that that much. We kind of go through life, and, and you know what we've done a lot of times is we've kind of, we don't even care. Honestly, I'm about to, some of you guys, your mind's already being stretched already. Like, I've never thought about how God looks at me. We only look at ourselves in the mirror, and a lot of times, all that matters to us is how we see ourselves. And that's a terrible way to see yourself sometimes, the way you see yourself. It's, 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 it could be bad. Or you know what? Maybe not that. You see yourself, I see myself the way, the way, the way Fraley sees me. And that's not good. Because I got one sinner looking at another sinner. And saying, oh, and I, we want so bad. Or we look at ourselves and we're like, oh man, I, this is what I look like. Or, or maybe we take the cue from somebody else who doesn't like us or who does like us. And we're like, oh, whatever they think about me is 100% factual. And so that matters, it matters. The filter series is so important because we have to look at God's word and what he, how he sees us. How he sees you is more important than how you see yourself. Because if you and I, can, we can convince ourselves and believe and start seeing ourselves the way God sees us, it would change our trajectory. And I've got to like shake your minds up a little bit because that's how we are. I mean, we get so used to taking our cues from culture. What does the world see me? What, what, is, what, is the world, what does the world call me? What does the world say I look like? What is my... What are the people around me that, that, are, that like me or dislike me? What do they think about me? I was talking to a guy this week today, and he said, man, I'm so nervous. I'm, I'm in job transition, and the organization I work for, my wife's still going to work there. I'm worried about what people are going to say about me. And I said this to him, young, young 25-year-old guy. I said, listen, if you do good, people are going to talk bad about you. And if you do bad, people are going to talk bad about you. Isn't that, if you've lived, and all the adults are like, man, that 25-year-old, he didn't know that yet, like, if you don't know, you're, you're going to know. Like, if, you under the, if you're under the assumption that everyone likes me, just get a little bit older. Or bug that person's house that you think likes you the most. They're probably talking about you the most. Like, like we, as we live lives, we find out, man, that people, if you do good, people will talk bad about you. If you do bad, people will talk bad about you. And a lot of times we find out what people say, and we take it, and we say, okay, that's my life. I am who they say that I am. And then there's one other voice that is just treacherous. And I don't have to ask you this question, but I'm just going to make this statement. It's, it's factual. And sometimes you and I, we listen to what Satan tells us. And we listen to what he thinks about us. And he's a freaking jerk. Like the Bible says he wants to kill you and steal from you and destroy you. And we listen to that voice. Isn't that silly? If I walked up to you today and put a gun up to your head and said, all right, I want you to do what I, I, want you to do what I tell you to do. We would do, you would do whatever I tell you to do. Some of you guys would laugh at me if you know me. Like, oh, you don't, you don't know how to shoot that gun, you know? Like, you would just laugh at me. But we think sometimes that Satan's walking around with us and saying, you better do this, you better do this. And we just do whatever it is that he tells us to do. And so we got to look at how God sees us. I want to take you to a very familiar passage, Luke chapter 23. If you don't have a Bible today, when you walk out the back doors, go to the orange room and say, hey, can I get a Bible? They'll give you one. We want you to have a Bible because we want you to know. We want you to be able to learn more about who Jesus is. And the more you and I learn about who Jesus is, the more we get a chance of becoming like him. 
So we want you to have that. If you have an application that you're going to use on your phone or through an iPad, we're using the New Living Translation, and we're going to Luke chapter 23. It's a very familiar passage um, for some of you in here today, or if you're new to church, um, this is one of the, one of the scriptures of which we kind of hang on to as Christians. Luke chapter 20, 23, verse 32. There were two brothers. Two, two, I'm sorry, there were two others. They were both criminals. And they're led out to be executed with him. Him is Jesus. Backstory. I'm about to walk you through a portion of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Okay? Which no one has a problem with. Everyone believes he died. Everyone believes he was beaten. The problem gets, gets a little bit screwy when people, you tell people he rose again three days later. But it really did happen. The Bible is factual. It's historical. He really did die. Verse chapter, in Luke 23, verse 32. There was two guys. They were led out to be executed with Jesus. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed Jesus to a cross. It really happened. And the criminals were all crucified, one on his right and one on his left. So we have Jesus, who's never sinned. He lived a perfect life for you and I. He's on a cross. And on both sides of them, there are two criminals, guys who deserve to die. Verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Isn't that pretty cruddy? People are trying to get your, people, you're, you're dying. They're, they're rolling dice for this guy's clothes. Um, unless they were just like really, really, really awesome clothes. And it'd be worth rolling dice for, you know. Um, I like clothes, so maybe I would be in part of this. This is me. Um, I'm just kidding, kind of. <clears throat> the crowd watched and the leader scoffed. Verse 35. He saved other people, they said. Let him save himself, for he is truly, if he is truly God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers mocked him by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the King of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened to the cross above him with these words, This is the King of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal... But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God, even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then Jesus said to him, and then the man says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Verse 43. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in a place called paradise. I don't know all the answers about what happens when people die. I do know this. Your body goes in the ground. I don't know where your soul goes. You're like, man, I came here. You're supposed to give me the answers. If you look at the Bible, the Bible says, the Bible says that when, 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 the, when Christ comes back, the dead in Christ shall rise first. It says that in the Bible, but it also says in the Bible too that today that guy was with God in paradise. And so why it's tricky and it's hard to get our minds around, Jesus lives outside of time. We live inside of time. And so I don't really know exactly what happens, but the Bible says is that that day, that man on the cross who was, who, was, who was full of sin, he had all kinds of issues, both of them on both sides. One guy says, Jesus, if you're Jesus, if you are who you say you are, get yourself off this cross. And the guy on the other side to him said this, don't you know who he is? And Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today you'll be with me in paradise. I'd like to take our filter for today from this passage of scripture. In verse 34, the Bible says this, Jesus said to him, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. I asked myself this question this week. 
when I give you this, if you, if you have a, um, a worship guide when you walk, you can take notes. I want to give you a, a, a sermon called The Filter of Forgiveness. The Filter of Forgiveness. The Bible says in this passage of Scripture, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they were doing. I like to place you and I in the, and take out the word them and place you there that day. Could you put yourself in the picture today, walking into a, a, maybe a place like this, or maybe not here, maybe down the street, and we walk there, and you see this man coming across, and he's got a, he's got a, he's got a cross strapped to his, to his back, and then some guy says, he can't even carry it, it's so hard on him, he can't even carry the cross, that a man says, hey, you over there, Simon, another guy named Simon, not Simon Peter, hey, take that cross, I want you to carry it for him, and the guy carries him, they take him to this cross, they get him to this place called a skull, or this hill there, they take these two guys, they nail him to the cross, they put them up there, and then they put Jesus right there in the middle, and in the middle of that, you and I are sitting there, we're watching, and Jesus says this, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. And you know what you and I don't know? Sometimes we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing on our daily walk, on our daily talk, and our daily routine. We don't know what we're doing because we don't even see ourselves the way Christ sees us. We have no idea where to go. We have no idea what to do because we are dinging ourselves or we've got this, this, this mark on our back that says, I think this sometimes what we do. If we've sinned, if we've sinned, we call ourselves the sin that which we've done. And that's not how God sees you and I. There, we, we, I, I was at church, at the church that helped start us. I was there Wednesday night, and we had a guy get up there and talk about a prison ministry. And they showed film of this prison ministry. And these guys are on their hands and their feet. They're worshiping God, and they're praying, and, and they're giving invitations. Like, well, we'll give it in a, in a moment, just a few moments. And, and when they give a chance, people are raising their hands. Could you imagine if you were in prison, and you had murdered somebody? And if you believe that for the rest of your life you were going to be a murderer because the system calls you a murderer. But then there was this guy who came, he died on the cross for your sins, and he says, you're not a murderer anymore. You're forgiven. Could you imagine what kind of thing happens? Could you imagine what kind of thing happens inside of a person's mind when, when some guy walks in there like me or, or a guy who runs a prison and says, hey, by the way, you're not, no longer are you incarcerated. You're forgiven by Jesus. And that's the way Christ sees you. Christ sees you and I as forgiven today. That's how he sees you. If you're a son or daughter, you'd say, he sees you as forgiven. Wes, I've got a really, 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 really dirty past. I love that you have a dirty past because it makes forgiveness all the greater. You're like, oh, I'm just, I'm doing some baby stuff. I'm just, I'm a baby sinner. <laughs> None of us are baby sinners. We're all like chief sinners. And you know what? We're all on the same playing ground. I've been asked this a lot of, a lot of times. Wes, the guy that is locked up for, for being a pedophile and the guy that, guy that murdered somebody and the guy that stole a car, how, which one of those sins is worse? I'm like, I'm so glad you asked me. They're all equal. And that's so hard for us. Because we're like, well, clearly that guy's way worse than the other guy. We're all worse than the other guy. We're all worse. Like, there's no varying degrees of worse. There's no varying degrees of sin. If Jesus doesn't see it that way, you and I can't see it that way. Jesus sees you today as forgiven. And for me today, that, that brings a weight of relief to my chest. Because I've done a lot of stupid, stupid, stupid things. And if I walked around saying my favorite sin of choice on my forehead, that's who I am today, wouldn't that look silly? But why do I carry it around me everywhere I go? 
Why do I carry the things that God saved me from? Why do I carry that around everywhere I go? Abel's going to come up here and help me finish. Wouldn't it be silly today if today we can just imagine if I was free today? Let's say this was rope today. This is strategically placed there by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Could you imagine today if I was, these, these were wrapped around my arms tight and I was forgiven. And, and I was completely forgiven. They say, hey, these are, you don't have to wear these anymore. There's a cop that sits out here. We have a cop here every single Sunday to keep us safe and to keep our kids safe. And, but wouldn't it be silly if I had a pair of handcuffs on today and the guy said, hey, you're free to go, but I left the handcuffs on. Wouldn't that look silly? Or wouldn't it look silly if these were handcuffs there? These are the ropes that tied me up. Wouldn't it be silly if I walked around these all the time? Yeah, I used to be tied up, and now I'm not any tied up anymore. I just walked around like this. Wouldn't that look so silly? It would. It would look silly. And whenever Jesus has forgiven us, he, when he forgave you on the cross, every single one of your sins, they were future sins. Every single one of your sins when Christ on the cross, they were future sins for you. and They were all, they were all future sins. And Jesus says, hey, I'm going to take that from you. And you don't have to carry it anymore, Wes. Because you're forgiven. But let me address two areas in here today. Jesus came. He lived a life that you couldn't live. He died a death you should have died. Jesus came and paid it all for you. And I have to remind us of that every week because sometimes we forget. I saw someone post this a few weeks ago that that Satan knows your name, but he calls you your sin. Jesus, he knows your sin, but he calls you forgiven. Isn't that something today? Satan knows your name, but he calls you your sin. But Jesus, he knows all your sins, and he calls you forgiven today. And if you're going to come here and be a part of this community, you've got to get used to the fact that you're forgiven. You just got to get used to it. You just got to deal with it. Deal with it. Turn to the person next to you and say, deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You can walk around and say, I'm forgiven. I'm not for, I'm not for cheesy Christian t-shirts. Whenever I see people where I, I was forgiven, there's two nails. I'm like, that looks, you look silly. Dave, that's silly. I'm not for Jesus bumper stickers. If you got one, it's okay. I'm not for them. If, plus, if you have a Jesus bumper, you have to drive a lot better than you normally drive. Like, <clears throat> man, you're forgiven in your heart. You're forgiven in your life. You've got to start living lives that are forgiven. I wrote down two things. You are forgiven, by the way, so you and I, we can forgive ourselves. You'll never get anywhere if you don't forgive yourself. I shouldn't have done that. You're right, you shouldn't have, but Christ died because he knew that you were going to do what you shouldn't have done. You and I, we've got to start living lives that we've got to live like we're forgiven. I, I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of walking around with this spiritual confidence. Because I know, you want to know why I do it? It's not because of me. It's because of Jesus. He says I'm forgiven. So I, live, I walk around like I'm forgiven. That doesn't give you a license to go around sinning as much as you want. But here's the deal. If you do, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. So if Christ could forgive you, why can't we forgive ourselves? Or why don't we forgive ourselves? So many people will go in churches across America today and they'll want me to, and they'll want the pastor to say, 
You're forgiven. Now here's three steps on how to stay forgiven. I can't give you three steps on how to stay forgiven because you're forgiven. I can't give I can't attach anything to that, church. I can't attach nothing to that statement. All I can attach is you're forgiven. That's it. If Christ can forgive you, can you forgive yourself? Can't you and I forgive ourselves or whatever it is that you did? Or whatever it is that you, you're not doing that you should be doing, can't we forgive ourselves? And then here's the second thing. You're forgiven so we can forgive ourselves, but we are forgiven so we can forgive others. We are given so we can forgive others. I, you know what would be nice? It's not possible, but it'd be nice. Wouldn't it be nice if we forgave the way my four-year-old forgave his sister for punching him? She's saved, but she's not perfect. If we're, we're doing this new thing now in our, in our car. If they scream, we spank them. Like, our kids are scream for no reason. You're like, just no reason? Yeah. Like, if you're not for spanking, I'm sorry, but we spank our kids. They need it. Look how good I turned out. Look how normal I am. <laughs> you're like, you're not normal. They spanked you too hard. <laughs> I was dropped one time. That's why I act the way I act. I don't act this way because I was spanked. I was dropped one time. Um, I probably deserved it. I want us to be a culture. I want the church, this church here, I want people when they walk in, I want them to be able to sense that this is a forgiving church. Man, there's forgiveness here. That when they come in, before they hear a song being strummed on a guitar, a word, they just say, man, this is a forgiveness church. I can't, you know what? You, you know this. I've, I've said this since day one. I, I want to do this. And I want to fill this auditorium up. And I'd be okay to start a 9 o'clock service and 11.15 service. And I want to go right up the street and do it all over again at a new school. It's opened up in 2017. I'd love to do that. But can I tell you what would be the most attractive thing about our church if we started all doing this? If we just lived lives that were forgiven and we just had a culture here of forgiveness and grace and forgiveness. Man, I could just sense forgiveness in here today. When they just walk in, they say, man, I, I feel like I'm forgiven already. <laughs> Have you ever been in a church like that before? There aren't a lot of them, so you'd be a minority if you were. But could you imagine just walking into a place and you say, you know what, man, I just feel like this is a place of healing and forgiveness here. And it feels good. It just feels good. If we don't forgive ourselves, there's no way in my mind that I think that we're going to forgive other people. You know why we don't forgive like four-year-olds? Because I was telling one of our one of our one of our teammates, his mom, this this week. We don't forgive like four-year-olds. Want to know why? Because the offenses get harder as we get older, right? Don't they get harder? Absolutely, they do. The, the offenses get harder. The wounds they they get deeper, Wes, and so it's it's a little bit harder. Can we just begin today to become a culture of forgiveness? Now, let me set some of you free in here today. You're like, what does that mean? Like, I have to be best friends with them and like hang out with them all the time if I forgive them? No, they probably don't want to hang out with you. And you don't want to hang out with them. But why don't you set yourself free today of the, the feeling of, of anger or frustration to someone 
that's hurt you a long time ago. We, we have, um, I, I, wa- I remember walking vividly one time into a, a restaurant and seeing this girl had cut arms from, cut marks on her arm, just all up her arm. And it was so bad, you guys, that the scar tissue was off. I mean, it, it was it was eighth or quarter inch, it was off. It was just, they were, she had cut herself so deep, the scar tissue was just so stinking big. Just, and I, I almost, I almost couldn't order my food because I was just so disturbed at the restaurant. And I thought to myself, man, wouldn't it be something that this girl could embrace forgiveness unlike anybody else? And not only could she embrace forgiveness, she'd forgive herself. Then she'd start forgiving the people. Because I'm sure one of those marks on her arm were from something that someone had done to her. And so she's hung on to it. And her counter her counteract was just to hurt herself so that she could release some of the pain that she was feeling because of what somebody else had done to her. What if we were, as a community, we were just a, we were just a cult, we just, we just forgave everybody. We just, I'm just going to forgive everyone, Wes. It starts with being forgiven, though. If you don't understand how much you were forgiven, then you'll never forgive yourself and you'll never forgive other people. You can bow your head and close your eyes. No one's looking around. Thank you for listening to today's message. Visit us at hopewintergarden.com to connect with us.